to Uneducated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. Today, I have the incredible Kate Austin with me here. She is a YouTuber, a social media influencer, and activist. You also may have seen her on The Ellen Show, where her fiance, Sarah, proposed to her in a surprise a little bit after she surprised her in Paris. I know, it's a bunch of cuteness. Go check it out. Hi, Kate. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Oh my God, thank you for having me. I know you aren't, as am I, not a big fan of the word influencer, but I really feel like it it works for you and you kind of make me like the word again. I feel like you're the epitome of an influencer. You just share your life so openly, so unapologetically, but not only are you sharing your insight in your own life, you also are always standing up for other people, working for equality for everyone. You're just, you're the shit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I don't like the word at all. Um, I feel like like most of the time when you talk about like an influencer, right? Like you think of like fashion bloggers, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I want to make sure that if like I'm tied to that word in any way, I'm using it like to its full extent and trying to influence something that like to me matters. Um, and like I'm always – I've always been an open book and I think that's just kind of how this platform of mine like happened. Um, and I, I never want to be like, look back at this and be like, I should have said more or in five, like in, you know, in the next time something big happens to me, be like, I've never been political or I've never been anything before. Like, I feel like there's always, it's always the time. Um, so yeah, I want to make sure that if I'm grouped in with the influencers, even though I don't like to call myself that, that I'm actually doing what the word is. Yeah. Not just influencing consumerism, influencing for change and to make the world better. Exactly. Yes. Right. And then like, I feel like a lot of times too, like everybody, like I get messages, I'm sure you do all the time. Like, how do you get started? Like, how do you get brand deals and stuff? And I'm like, I'm not in this for the brand deals. Like it's a great (laughs) added plus. Like I'm so grateful I can make a living doing this, but also like I never started this and was like, I want to do all the branded content so that I can like have an easy job. Like it's, I was always in it for an authentic reason. And I feel like you're the same. And that's why you can see that in certain people who use their platforms for like specific reasons. Yeah. It wasn't your motive to just make the money. And like you said, I think that's how it works. That's who ends up being really successful when you are doing it for different reasons. And then the money comes in as well, which is a great bonus to keep it going. Yeah. So before we get into you educating myself and everyone else a little bit, we have to get uneducated with our trivia question. Okay. I mean, I'm <laughs> the <nerves>. nervous. <laughs> Jacob, it's okay. You're going to be the one enlightening us the whole time. So just a quick rip the bandaid off uncomfortable moment. All right. What is the capital of Nebraska? <laughs> I actually know this. Nebraska? I'm so shocked. Okay, wait. Nebraska. I, well, I don't want to say it and then be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I know this. So I will give you have a Have you second. been there? No. <laughs> Nebraska. Uh, I, I want to give you a hint, but I'm like, I'm probably wrong. And then I'm going to. What do you think the first letter is? An L. Please. I don't even. I almost said Louisiana. Take <laughs> me off this podcast. I've done. Okay. I'm pretty, like I'm 99% sure it's Lincoln. Never in my life. <laughs> okay. Let me check. I'm going to be so embarrassed if I'm wrong. I'm like shaking. I'm like, oh no, I'm wrong. <gasps> right. I'm right. I'm right. Imagine what a, what a hit to the ego if you were wrong. <laughs> you know, that's what this podcast is all about. I have to exactly. get used to it. It's totally fun. All right. Glad we got through that. That's always the most stressful part of the podcast. I'm like, worst idea I've ever had. <laughs> Literally terrible. Like, I'm completely humbled. I'm w- willing to share any part of me now. Like, let's go. Good. That was the goal. Okay. So, looking at your Instagram feed alone, it is filled with rainbow flags kissing your lovely fiance. You look out and proud and just like carefree and that there's no struggle with being out. But then Mm -hmm. you read your captions and you hear that there's so much more going on. So spoiler alert to everyone, Kate's family is not the most accepting. I will let you word that how you want to. But what was your process with realizing you were gay into coming out to your family? I mean, I think like, well, 
so part of it is that I grew up like in the Midwest. I grew up in an Ohio and like a suburb outside of Cleveland. So super conservative area um, in a super religious home. And I think, unfortunately, like a lot of those aspects do play into people's coming out stories, right? Like somebody who grew up in like a very progressive area and like California might have a very different look on being a queer person. Um, so being where I grew up and how I grew up and how my parents raised me, um, yeah, I, I think I realized I was gay early on, like at like seven or eight. Like I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, hey, you, you're staring at your Bible teacher too long, Miss Bethany. I'll never forget. <laughs> Miss I love Bethany. her. Dude, long blonde curly hair. I never even <laughs> liked blondes, but Miss Bethany could get it. And I remember just like coming home and being like, that isn't normal. Like that's definitely not okay. Um, and like I never learned about like gay people or queer people. The only thing I ever knew like out of the Bible was that homo. Uh, homosexuality was wrong. Um, so, and it had always been pushed to the back of my mind. Um, so I was probably like young when I first started realizing it. Um, but like taken over by like internalized homophobia and stuff. I didn't come out until I was like 20, 2021 was like the month period that I started coming out. Yeah. That is such a long gap. Like I'm so impressed that you even had an inkling so young. I feel like that's earlier than most. And then you add on all these levels of religion and internalized homophobia. I feel like so many people might just suppress that forever. So right. honestly, kudos to you to even like being <laughs> able you. to check in with yourself. I feel like questions about like I, I'm a gay woman and I get questions all the time about coming out, coming out to a religious family, an accept, unaccepting family and dealing with your own sexuality when you're religious. And I fortunately have a very accepting family and I didn't grow up religious at all. I went to church a handful of times for Christmas, for Easter. So I didn't have those added struggles. So it's something that I can't relate to. And I always try to speak on what I know, but it's just... I get bombarded with questions on it all the time and I try to give the best advice I can. But at the end of the day, I am not in that position. I've yeah. even sent people to your page. I'm like, <laughs> check out Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homegirl knows. <laughs> Do you think your relationship with your religion affected your how you viewed yourself? And when you were kind of coming to terms with being gay, did you think, I don't want this or did you accept it quickly? Like how did religion impact your own perception of yourself? I think obviously like early on. So like I remember again in middle school having like a moment of like all my friends because like by like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, like all of your friends are like boy crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just like not about it. I had like zero interest. And I like – I remember looking at myself and being like, what is wrong with me? And my one friend was like on a women's travels basketball team and I was like obsessed with one of her like friends that she like played with. And I remember being like, this is not normal. Like and in my head, like I was taught that – homosexuality was wrong right and like you hear what it means and I think knowing the only reason I knew that I was in those moments is because I heard so much about it being wrong and I knew it felt wrong so that's kind of like how I tied that together and kind of figured it out for myself <laughs> um yeah so I just I feel like growing up in church and like being surrounded by like all of those people who believe wholeheartedly like you love the sinner, not the sin. Um, and all of those things play a part. And then a lot of times I'm sure you've heard people talk about like internalized homophobia and that can come from so many different, like that could come from being surrounded by homophobic school, people at school, like whatever it is. Um, and I grew up around so many people who preached love the sinner, not the sin, but like just spewed homophobia nonstop. Um, and then that gets in your head and that gets in your heart and you have to like work through those moments and like what that means for you. And if you are that, like, what can you do to be cured of that? or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. because a lot of times, like it's like conversion therapy, like a lot of conservative Christian people or Catholic people believe that that's something that can fix this part of you that like should not even be taught to people that it needs to be fixed. Um, Absolutely. yeah. So when did you finally allow yourself to have a further experience with a woman that was past having a crush on friends of friends and teachers? <laughs> Um, I, so I never dated anybody. Uh, I literally wore a purity ring all throughout high school and I was like, sorry boys. Like I can't talk oh, to you. Was that yeah. like your excuse? Not my, it was my beard. It was literally <laughs> like, mm, I'm sorry. I'm in a relationship with Jesus only. Um, and so yeah, I, 
I never dated anybody. And then finally, like I met this guy who, um, was like a friend of the family's and he was just like a Ken doll. Like he was beautiful. He was so kind. He treated me so wonderfully. Like I never had to do a thing. Um, and I dated him for like probably a year, almost a year and a half. Um, and then I went to Mexico while we were dating with one of my good friends who had also recently just come out at the time. Um, yeah, it was like, yes, it was definitely a foreshadowing of events. Um, and we were like at this resort in Mexico and some guy came up to me and was like, are you related to those girls over there? And I like looked up like drinking Long Island's all day. I'm like, who? (laughs) And I was like, no. Um, so we like thought in our heads, like we should go talk to them. They like think we're together, like as friends. Um, and one of them happened to be like a lesbian who like played basketball, like was just so cute. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) look at, here we are come full circle to my basketball playing girls. Um, yeah. And so we like got drunk and I like randomly made out with her, which I like never made the first move on anyone. Cause I was just always so like closeted. Um, and we made out and I remember I like sobered up immediately and I was just like, Oh my God. And we like went back to our separate hotel rooms and she messaged me, found me on Facebook messaged me. was like, come back down to the beach. Like we need to talk. And I was like, Oh my God. And we like went back downstairs and I like met up with just her and we like talked for like literally hours. And I remember just being like, I feel so connected to this stranger. It was like fireworks, like a literally a, like a flip had switched up and I like could not turn it off. Like there was no way for me to ever go back to life before. Um, and I just like have never felt like I, it's like, I'm like, this is what my friends must have felt like in middle school when they were boy crazy. Like I mm-hmm. thought I was nuts that I never felt that. Yeah. Did you feel like you were at all stunted or a little bit like emotionally or sexually immature having that a little bit later in life? I remember like, and I remember you've said this before, like I growing up, I genuinely always thought something was wrong with me. Like I thought that I was emotionally incapable or like, I just like didn't have that thing that everybody else felt towards other people because I just never was interested in like, finding a deep emotional connection with guys or like hooking up with guys. And like all my friends would like, we would go to parties and they would all talk about like, who are you going to talk to? And I was just like, no one, like, I just want to go hang out. Like, I don't care. Um, and yeah, I definitely, when it was happening and, and you get so, I'm sure, you know, like with the first girl you ever fall, fall for, you're just so overtaken and upset. Like I, I'm very level-headed. I like to think, and I was just so like, crazy about this person. And I've never mm-hmm. been like that. And I was like, I'm acting like a 15 year old. Like how mm-hmm. can I not control myself? Yeah. Cause it's all of those emotions that you would have experienced at that age. Right. Had you been given the chance or the opportunity to say, Oh, this is normal. I'm not weird. Right. Like, even when you're explaining it now, you keep saying this isn't normal. And I did air quotes there right? because it, we were told it wasn't normal. Of course yeah. it's normal. But when you're told it's not so many times, especially growing up in the church, I'm sure you're just hearing that from every angle. Right. And I think the most impactful angle are your parents. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to make their parents proud. Totally. So from our little fling in Mexico, <laughs> what? how old were you then? I was 20. Okay. And then when did you come out to your family? So I came home from Mexico. And in my mind, I was like, what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. <laughs> like, whatever. I had like a little flirty moment. So um, you weren't thinking, I'm going to come home and – I'm all, all girls all the way. You were like, it happened. I was like, I mean, I was terrified, right? Like, I think I knew in my heart, like, and like, like I said, like I felt fireworks. I'd never felt that before. And I think that like, in my mind, like if I could have known that I had a safe space to come home to, it would have been like game over. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but knowing my family and knowing my parents and their stance on something like this, I didn't have that safe space and I didn't have the comfort of knowing so it comes back to that internalized homophobia, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I can't, I'm going to come home. I'm going to try it with J- Josh. What's his name? I'm going to try it with Josh and I'm going to like, everything's going to be fine. Um, so I got home. Back and- into your relationship. So right. we make out with a girl. We are living. We living. feel it. We're so thrilled. And then we go back home and we're like, all right, back to the boyfriend, back to the let's beard. Let's try this out. Yes. And let's try to force myself to be happy in this. So my boyfriend picks me up from the airport and instantly I see him pull up and I'm like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, I am just not interested at all. Like, because not only had I not been interested in our entire relationship, right? Like, 
I, we had always fought, like there was never like a deep emotional connection. Like we didn't have a sexual connection at all. And I just like was not into it. Um, mm-hmm. So then like you finally experienced something greater. Um, and I came home and I saw him and I was like, this is just sucks. Like this just, it sucks for him because he could have something so much better. And it sucks for me. Like I'm miserable and I have been miserable for the last year and a half. Cause I remember our entire relationship telling myself like my parents love him. My brothers love him. Like this is my, like if I'm going to fall in love with any guy, like it's going to be him. So yeah, I came home and I like tried to date him for like a week and it like was not good. Like he was just like, you don't look at me. Like you're not even like hardly hanging out with me. Like I kept ditching him to FaceTime the girl from Mexico. And I was just like, you know what? You're right. And I like told him about what happened. And I was like, oh, <gasps> Yeah, I was like, well, I had told him when he picked me up. I was like, I like went oh. out with a girl. Oh, but like, and, a, yeah, like, a, I'm a crazy okay. girl. Like, <laughs> spring break. Um, and he was like, okay. And he like, I feel like he knew at the time that it was weird because he was like, oh, okay, I don't like that you're making out with other people. Like when you're dating me. Yeah. Um, which is so valid and <laughs> like fair. Yeah, uh, and so, <laughs> um. Yeah. So like a week went by and finally I just told him, I was like, I'm just not happy. Like I, I feel more for this girl. And I was just like really, really honest with him because mind you at the time I was 20, but he was turning 25. So he was decently older than me. Um, he, he's like had an established job. Like he was such an adult. And I look at me at 20 and I'm like the, thinking about where I was then is just so insanely young and immature. Um, And yeah, and I just told him and he was like, well, what does this mean for you? Like you're a lesbian. I'm like, I really don't know yet. Like, I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to even think about anything beyond the fact that like, I really like this girl. Um, And like my lesbian mind immediately is like, I'm going to move to Minnesota and be with this stranger. I thought you were going to say you're going to move to Mexico. Oh no, imagine. (laughs) I was like, never hear from me again. Um, And yeah, he was just like, okay. And he was like, obviously really sad. Like he really, really cared about me. Um, But I think like now he's like married with a child. So like, Mm -hmm. you're like, it worked out for both of us. Yeah. I'm like, you're welcome actually. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think that's with any breakup, you feel bad to leave somebody when they want to be in it still, but it's like, I'm doing you a favor because you are going to be so much more loved by somebody and it's going to be your match. And I'm not going to be miserable. You're not going to be miserable. So you're so self-aware. I feel like most people's experiences are not that quick. Like I feel like you just tuned in with yourself and you're like, mm, something's off here. I have an attraction. Something's going on. Meet this girl. Oh, I have feelings. Make out with her. Oh, this <laughs> means more. Like I feel like so many people would just shove those feelings down and you have this ability to face them head on. And I think that's been so helpful in your journey. Yeah. I'm also like such a zero to 100 person. And like when I feel something and it's like a, it's like a flaw and like a great trait, I think, because it gets me into trouble and I don't know how to keep my mouth shut sometimes. But when I feel something, I like really feel it. And Mm -hmm. I, I can't like, I either have to like act on it or I have to like express it somehow or else it like overtakes me. Um, which it is, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but it's definitely helped me in situations like that where like, I, I feel this way, like, I need to just go experience what this means for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we break up with a boyfriend. What happens with – do we We don't move to Minnesota. Oh, we never – we never moved to – that girl <laughs> played me. She played me so hard. Oh, no. So, she, she is like – I hope that she listens to this. I so hope cool. you're listening, Minnesota girl. Oh, she knows who she is. She literally played me so hard. Like, she was such a mean lesbian. Like, the a typical, mean. like, I was heartbroken. Like, I mean, when I tell you that was my first heartbreak, like, I was genuinely undone over this – mean girl and so yeah so she we I try to talk to her and I I text her after I broke up with with my boyfriend I actually called him by his last name our entire relationship and I was just about to refer to him as that and I was like people can't oh, that would... last name that would be and like also I I'll called him that. by his last name that's a red flag like mm, okay that's like a buddy yeah like I was like oh um but yeah so I like texted her after I broke up with him and I was like I broke up with Josh. Like it's, we can finally like talk and really figure out what this means. And she didn't text me back. Whoa. And I was like, not even like as a friend of like, you had your lesbian awakening. Let me like help you out. We're not going to be a thing, but like proud of you. Just ghost you. Oh, ghosted me for like (gasps) 72 hours. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm willing 
because in my mind it was for her, right? Like I'm throwing, I'm turning my life upside down for you when really it was for me. Like, thank God I realize that now. But back then it felt like if this never happens to me again, like I had never felt these feelings and I was so afraid that if I let it go, I would lose that forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was so devastated and, um, we like kind of talked on and off and she was just like really shady to me for a long period of time. And this was all in like end of March, early May of 2014. And, um, so I was like, you know what? Screw her. Like I'm going to go on Tinder and like talk to find me some Cleveland honeys. Let me tell you, pickings are slim. (laughs) Not a lot of lesbians in Ohio. Cleveland's not far from Pittsburgh, and I know what it's like. Oh, let me tell you, thank God lesbians are down for long distance because that was we have to be must. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was not good. It was like all like, and like back then too. Like I feel like there weren't as many people that are out as Mm -hmm. there are now. You Um, need like a secret code to get into the secret society to find people. I like went to my first pride that year and this is probably like more a femme thing than anything, but I like walked in and everyone were like, I was there with my gay guy friend and everyone thought that I was just like there with like a rainbow pin on. And I'm like, listen, I'm freshly out. I'm trying to kiss some of you. Like, let me like hang. Yeah. They're like, hey, ally. And you're like, no, no, honey. (laughs) Ma'am, you don't know the summer I've had. You don't know the summer I've had. Yeah. But like, no. So long story short, I like talked to her. I like turned Tinder on for like girls and guys and then eventually turned guys off oh we had guys very quickly after I was like let me just like dip my toes in the girl water and see what it's like and I never swiped right on a guy so I was like all right I'm turning it I'm turning it off like I don't need it on I think I knew deep down I didn't need it on right um and so I started talking to girls and then my friend was dating Sarah's good friend at the time that I like randomly had known I know and I was she was like you should talk to uh my friend Sarah and I was like yeah, give her my like, let her know. Like, here's my Instagram. So I follows her on Instagram. She never follows me back. She thought it was a fake account. I was like, because she doesn't use social media. Like Sarah, thank God, because I think it's like so helpful for like what I do. Um, but she like, yeah, she like did never follow me back. And then my friend Danny was like, uh, you never follow Kate back. Like, I'm trying to hook you up with this girl. You're blowing it. <laughs> yeah. And so Sarah like Facebook messages me, um, and we started like talking on Facebook Messenger, and I was like one four loco deep I was like here's my number like whatever I'll talk to you I guess and then like literally we started talking and like never stopped um and that was in like beginning of June Mm -hmm. so like right around like pride starting and stuff and um but the more we talked like then you start facetiming and it was just like I was so consumed with Sarah like it was just such an instant like it felt like we could be best friends but also I had such a deeper like um emotional connection to her Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I was like, I'm going to talk to her. And like, even if I date her, I'm never going to come out of the closet. Like there's just no way. So that was your plan. It was see where this goes, but no matter what, yeah, not opening my mouth. And she it. knew that like, and she was cool with that. And like, I had felt bad because she, Sarah's been out since she was in a sophomore in high school. Like she's been out for so long and yeah, she literally like, I'm like a girl, like ma- messaged her on, um, my space and was like, meet me in the bathroom and like they made out in the bathroom like you had every girl's dream what so, I know right and so she's been out of her son so I'm like you had a I need to talk, to, talk to me I yeah. she's unbelievable she was like I'm a gold star I'm like okay cool Sarah we didn't all have the great opportunities you had in life okay yeah she's a fucking bitch but <laughs> this is her fiance just to remind yes, everybody yeah, sorry. <laughs> I only think of her love bitch. <laughs> Boo. I love it yeah, but so I started talking to her and I was like, there's no way that I could ever come out to my family. Um, and then Were you so, living with your family at the time? Yeah. So the whole time and I lived in Ohio, she? I lived. She's in Jersey. Okay. So you guys yeah. are long distance, yeah. which if anyone hasn't done long distance before, you're like talking all day because you don't mm-hmm. get actual FaceTime. So you're like texting, calling nonstop. And yeah. you're doing that while living at your parents? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And like – it was – and, like, mind you, I'm, like, just turning 21, so I'm, like – like, we would, like, have FaceTime dates, and, like, my brothers would always walk in and be, like, who is this random girl from New Jersey that you're speaking to? Like, how do you just have a friend from New Jersey? And I was, like, it's, like, don't worry about it. The internet, internet exists. Like, whatever. And so, yeah, it was just, like, nonstop. And, like, you know how it is. Like, when you're – like, you really care about somebody. Like, we would literally text all day and then FaceTime and have sleepovers on FaceTime. And my brothers would, like, walk in my room and be, like, why are you still FaceTiming this girl at 3 a.m.? Yep. And I was like, 
we're best friends. <laughs> this is my homie. Yeah. I mean, you, you just don't know what it's like. Um, and so I was like, why don't you and Danny, who's a girl that introduced us, come down for my 21st birthday, which was coming up that August. Um, we were going to this like island in Ohio called Putin Bay. So it's basically like this island with bars on it. It's just all bars. And people in Ohio like live for this. This is all we have. <laughs> it's up in Northeast Ohio. Like that's it. Putin Bay is your life. You do your bachelorettes, your birthdays, like – um, do it all yeah and like Lake Erie's foul I don't even get it but so <laughs> disgusting <laughs> like people like posted their boomerangs now and I'm like shut up my mom loves Lake Erie <laughs> dude my my whole family like loves Lake Erie <laughs> I'm so excited for the three listeners who know all the places we're talking about right now because y'all know yeah literally and like I'll get messages like I'll like post something talking shit about Ohio and like someone will message me like it's not bad. like one of my like few followers from Ohio are like, come on, come on, Kate, it's not that bad. And I'm like, girl, get out. Get out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sarah like came down to Putin Bay and like, mind you, like it was my 21st birthday, but I was like, Sarah, we can't like be affectionate or anything. Like you just have to act like one of my friends. My brothers are all going to be there. Is this the first time you're meeting in person? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> girl, you wanted to act normal when you guys have been like texting, FaceTiming nonstop for I know. what? This has been like two months now. Yeah. Right? So like two years in lesbian years. Yes, exactly. You're almost married at this point. Basically. Dying to see and see each other. Yes. I won't I won't get into the dirty, but <laughs> and then you're like, but by the way, we're gonna act like we're just friends. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That sounds okay. Sounds realistic. Yeah, it was pretty it's ex- it's as bad as it sounds. Mm-hmm. So she like arrives the first night. Thank God we had like no like no plans. We're gonna wake up and go to Putin Bay the next morning. So we had like alone time, and then the next morning we like wake up and went. And I was like, hey, this is the day my brothers are coming. Like, and mind you, like the worst part was that my brothers had already gotten there after we had been drinking. So mm-hmm. I was like already two sheets to the wind. Like I'm like green tea shots downing. Like <laughs> I can't even think about it now. And. Yeah, so we were hammered and, like, obviously I was just, like, all over her because, like you said, like, we had already been talking for two months and, like, I was just so excited to be around her and, like, I couldn't keep my hands off of her. And so they were, like, you guys are just friends. Like, this is friendly. Like, what's going on? Hey, what the fuck is happening? Exactly. Um, Yeah, so then I came home. Like, they – Sarah left, like, the next day and this is, like, the weirdest, like – or order of events but so like we came home and my parents like called a family meeting which like they could never do and they basically like told us that my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she had breast cancer and so my one brother who like has really really bad anxiety like really severe anxiety had a panic attack and my dad was like all right like what's up like why are you like tell walk me through what you're feeling and um he was like you know mom mom has cancer and katie's gay and blah and my dad was like she's what she's uh uh-huh what's that Mm -hmm. word you said um and so my parents and like my mom was like are you like at first and I was like we got in a fight and I was like no no like no I'm not like leave me alone I'm not gay and then the next day she like walked into my room and was like I love you so much like I love you no matter what like you know you're we love you like regardless like no matter what so I'm like, okay. So she knows. She's like cool with it. So I like go to work. I like pull into my like Chili's parking lot. I'm like waiting for my shift to start. And I was like, hey, mom, I am gay. Like whatever. And you said you'll she, love me no matter what, right? Yeah. So yes, don't forget that first line you dropped when you came to my room this morning. Um, and I told her and she like literally texted me back and was like, don't come home. And like was like, I'll have all of your bags packed. Like all you can pick them up on Monday at like 3 p.m. when no one's here and oh stuff God. like that. And I was just like what like what? and this How did is we the get day after you find out she has cancer yeah oh my god yeah. there's just like one I'm sure you're trying to be strong for your mom and the rest right. of your family going through such an intense thing as a parent being diagnosed with cancer and yeah. your brother has anxiety so you're trying to like look out for him yeah and now your world is crumbling too and not getting that support and it's like yeah and god, it's a lot of things at once right and like angle. 
Right. And like, you don't ever want to be the reason that your parents like feel stress or feel like any type of pain or shame or whatever. And it immediately felt like I was making their lives a hundred times worse. And now I like know to look back at that and be like, that's not my fault that they decide to carry it that way. But at the time, like you don't know how to process those emotions at all. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a lot at once. So I don't really understand parents not supporting their kids. I've said it before and I try to be as open-minded on the religious side as I want people to be open-minded with me and being gay and every other human who is unlike the other. But it's something that I really struggle with. I cannot fathom a parent not loving their kid unconditionally. In my head, that does not add up because Mm -hmm. you're choosing to have the child. You you did this. I, I can't control that you had me. So you have to love me and you have to help guide me. You don't have to agree with everything I do, but still you have to love your kid. And I mean, I give advice to a lot of people and I always get scared too, because I don't want to assume the best in parents. But I always say like, even if your parents aren't accepting right now, they might potentially come around eventually. And it's a lot for them to deal with. And and anything, if you're thinking your kid's going to be one way and they're something else, it doesn't mean that they don't approve or don't want that or won't accept that. Sometimes it could just be getting adjusted to something mm-hmm. and dealing with change. Change is scary for anybody. But then I hear stories of parents just being awful to kids and I I can't fathom it. And I don't know if you have any insight on the religious side because I know you're not – you don't identify with any religion anymore as far as mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, yeah, no. So I I don't know if you have insight on that or want to speak on that, but I just, I don't get it. I don't get why the answer would be, oh, you have the ability to love a certain type of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not okay with that. I don't want you in my life anymore. Like I just, I can't get that. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it is, it's such a like heavy thing and it comes with so many layers and like to, you know, like my mom, even up until before I stopped talking to her would be like, I do love you unconditionally. I do. And I'm like, but you don't, right? Like you choose which parts of me you love unconditionally. And then the ones that you don't, you ignore because the five years or six years, well, the five years that I was talking to her while dating Sarah, I was only allowed to come home alone. So I'm like, you pick and choose. You can say, and it makes you feel better that you're saying you love me unconditionally. But if you really look at it and like unpack it, like you don't, and that's not the case. Um, And I think people in organized religion use it in a way that, and it, it, there's also so many different ways to practice organized religion, right? And, and I have no problem. The reason that I no longer practice is I was force-fed it my entire life and never had the chance to believe it how I wanted or express it how I wanted. It was always just like it had to be the exact way my parents felt and it had to be at the churches my parents felt were right for us. Um, and I was only allowed to hang out with people that believe the same way. And I think when you're for something that is so – like it's just constant – Um, it made me want to take a step back and relook at religion because I don't think something that feels so forced and like so intense should ever be like that. Like I think religion should be an easygoing thing where we can love and believe and trust in a way that feels easy to us. I don't think it should ever feel the way that it felt when I was going to church. Um, And for people who struggle with you know, believing the way they do. I mean, there are hundreds of Christian and Catholic churches that are completely accepting and completely wonderful. Um, And there are so many different ways to read the Bible. And there are so many different religions who dissect the Bible differently. And it's just like, how can we say that one is wrong and one is right? Um, So when it comes to religion, I just tell people not to believe anything that, that preaches hate, right? Like at the end of the day, my mom and my mom's beliefs in that church that we grew up in like did they preached hate and they wanted to dissect like disguise it in religion and god's words in the bible that never even said what they said they were saying um so i think my mom likes to hide behind words in a book um and i don't think she wanted to feel judged by the people at her church and she was more willing to stand by her beliefs in something that is i think it gave her a sense of family and a sense of belonging and she was more willing to stand by that than to stand by me Um, which is sad, but I think that's what so many parents who believe religiously do and so many family members. um, And it is, it's wild, right? Like I can sit here right now and be like, I could never imagine doing that, even though it was done to me. It's just, I think people just like get so lost in, 
it, it's culty, no offense, but to me, like organized religion like that, it freaks me out because look at what my parents were willing to abandon one of their own children for something that's literally not, it's not like I'm like out murdering people. Like I'm literally just gay. Like it's just so crazy to me. Yeah. You literally just love an incredible woman who is so good right. to you and you're so exactly. good to you and you have this great life. It's just so hard to understand what is inherently wrong with that in any right. way. So you said that it was five years from the time of that text text message, here's all your stuff, get out when nobody's mm-hmm. here, to actually cutting your family off. What was your relationship with them like for those years? So the first year, um, so I like came out, my parents kicked me out, um, and it was like that first like my mom like turned my phone off I wasn't allowed to like see my family she told me I was like tearing my entire family apart like it was like really really intense and put like my whole family in a really uncomfortable situation and luckily like my brothers I have five older brothers and a sister and they're all super progressive and like um even though some of them are one of them is religious like he knows that he can choose how he believes and practices it which is nice um but my mom like sent a text to my entire family like my brothers I was just basically like Katie decided she's gay. Um, we kicked her out. Please don't allow her in your home. And my brothers all were like, no, we're not. <laughs> it's our homes. Like, we're all adults. We can choose. I know. With me in it, I was like, you wanted <gasps> you me to be You Yeah. Oh yeah, she just, like, God. wanted me. And it was, like, it was, like, two hours after she kicked me out. And I was like, you just want me to feel isolated and ashamed of this thing that I thought I could tell you. Yeah. It was her way of, again, air quotes, fixing you. Because she thought, okay, if I give her no hope at all, right, and she has nowhere to go, she's gonna have to come back to us and whatever, hundred percent, delight or understand that it's not worth being gay. Like that was her way of uh, for conversion therapy to you, like give you nothing. And then it like so I so my brother Brian like let me come stay at his house, and I stayed with him for like two weeks. Um, but in that my mom and I, like, obviously like she would randomly text me and be like, you can come home if you see a therapist. I'm like, that's fine. Like I probably should see a therapist after what's happened the last few weeks, but I want to choose who I'm seeing. And she was like, no, I want to decide. I'm like, you want to pick someone for me that's going to try and make me believe that what I feel is wrong. And that to me is like another cute, like, I'm like, I'm not going to go to somebody that you're choosing because I know that your beliefs are going to try to make me change. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was like one of those big red flags that I was like, this is actually really scary. And like, I think about the kids who whose parents put them in therapy before they even have a choice to understand. Like if they're showing signs like super young, like, and they go to, you know, a therapist that is a conversion therapist and they don't even realize what's happening to them. It's, it's such a wild, wild thing. Um, but yeah, so I, I stay with my brother for two weeks. And then he's like the mediator of the family. So he's like, let's go and talk to mom and kind of see where she's at. So we go to my parents' house um, and my mom basically like lets me move in if I pay like rent. So she like gives me like a number I have to pay every month um, to stay there. And I didn't have any other option. Like I was just like so – I was like, okay, well, what, what choice do I have? Like Sarah and I had only been talking. She like offered. She was going to college. She was like, you can come stay in my college apartment. And I'm like, no way. Like that's just not – like that's not a good idea. So I stayed with my parents for the next like year. Um, And then by that point, Sarah and I had been dating for like a year and three months. So we moved in into, she had just graduated college. We moved to South Jersey. And like that first, that second year it was actually, so like the first year at home, my parents just constantly were dropping like toxic one-liners, like just like, like I just was always in my bedroom. I was afraid to leave. I would leave to go to to work or I would leave to go visit Sarah for the week and I just like stayed in it like isolated and then when I moved when Sarah and I finally moved in um I like barely talked to my parents because if I called them and they heard Sarah in the background they would hang up on me I couldn't talk about Sarah without it being like an issue they never really wanted to hear about how I was doing um I think they just wanted to like talk to me on their own like accord to make them feel less bad about what they were doing and like the the barrier they were putting in our relationship so then after that, like the next year, again, we, I like to, hadn't gone home for like a year or so. And I was really, really homesick. Like my brother was having a baby and I, I was just so, so sad. And I missed my family so much because before all this happened, like we were all really, really close. Um, so I like was going home again and my mom was letting me come home for like holidays and I wasn't allowed to bring Sarah. And it was always just like, I, I had to act like my life didn't exist. And I had to act like I was 
alone and like my relationship wasn't there and I would bring it up and it would be like dismissed but I knew at least I was like talking about it or not letting them ignore that it was there but it I had to be the one to bring it up um and then that's kind of how it was and then finally like by like the fourth and fifth year I was getting so frustrated and I was just like I'm waiting and being so patient and like I I took like small signs of what my parents were doing that I thought was like steps forward, even though now that I look back, I'm like, they weren't, I was just being so hopeful and willing to take any type of like, my mom said Sarah's name. Oh my God, she's changing. Like she's acknowledged it. Yeah. And it was so sad that like, it took four years for that, but it was really just her knowing she couldn't ignore it anymore, but it didn't mean she was going to accept it. Like it didn't mean that like anything was really changing. Um, and so finally, like we got into like a fight on Easter about something. I like had sent her a link to, a group on Facebook of, of moms who had queer children. And it wasn't even like a group being like, we have to accept our kids. It was like them just venting about being a queer parent and like how it affects them. And I'd seen it on like a blog somewhere. So I sent it to my mom and she was like, I'm not joining that. And it blew up into this enormous fight. And I, it was Easter morning at Sarah's family. And I was sitting there like sobbing in Sarah's bed, like home, home bed. And I was like, why do I allow myself to constantly feel this? Like I, I have gone through this multiple times a year for the last five years. And I'm so tired of feeling ashamed and frustrated. And like, like I I'm valued less than my other siblings because of who my partner is and like all of these crazy things. And I was like, I don't let people in my life treat me like this. I never allow people to get away with certain things or treating me poorly. Like, and Sarah looked at me and she's like, you're right. You don't like you and I get it. I get that it's your parents, but like, I just step back and be like, I don't owe my mom anything, right? I've given her five years. I've met her in the middle. I was patient. I've done everything I possibly could, but like, I, I was so broken in that moment that like, I, I was just like, I'm done. So I, I also feel like you were giving your parents the unconditional love they should have been giving you. You were willing to put your feelings aside and put the, your pain aside to be there. And then you had this added level. I think you had two added levels of difficulty where when your parent gets sick, it really puts into perspective that most likely our parents will not be around for our whole lives. So we feel this need to maintain these relationships with them as long as possible because there's going to be a day where we don't have that choice. So while we can decide – we want to put everything we can into it, but you also have to get to a point where when it's not serving you and it's making you miserable, what can you do? You can't just try to be appeasing them. And by this point, you're spending so much time with Sarah's family. From what I know, they're incredible the and best. love you. Yeah. So you're seeing that and you have that. You have this new chosen family who is supporting you. And I feel like it was probably getting harder and harder and harder to continue to put yourself in those really difficult situations and deal with your mom specifically not being supportive of you when you had support in so many other ways. Yeah. And I think too, like, I like, so that like first year and like my mom obviously has her own issues that she needs to work through, like as we all do, but she like blamed me a lot for not being around that first summer when she had cancer. And I was like, what option did you give me? Like, not only did you kick me out, like, yeah, you let me come back, but like, I don't want to be around you. Like it didn't feel safe. It wasn't comfortable. Like it's, it, it came to a point where I was like, I can't constantly be blamed for the falling out of a relationship that I never choose to like push further. Right. Like my mom could have responded in a way that like made it so we were fine. And like, she could have dealt with it in private or dealt with it in a way that was like different than it was. But like, at the end of the day, like you're right. Like five, by five years, like you're just so emotionally exhausted. And like, I truly felt in that moment, like I had done everything that I possibly could. I was so patient. And now at that point, like I was just putting myself in a position where like I was continually breaking little by little. And I was like, this is now emotional abuse. Like I am, I, I don't deserve this. I'm sitting here where I should be having a good time. Like Sarah's family's house is a safe space for me. Like I, it's a holiday. Like I'm we were literally like leaving for Aruba that night. Like I was like, I should be feeling all of the happy feels. And instead you are, you are hundreds of miles away and still tearing me down. Like I'm done now. Um, and yeah, so it was just like a breaking point where I was like, this is, it's just not fair to me. So did you just stop going to see your family? Was it like a gradual pulling back or did you have a conversation with them and with your mom specifically saying, I can't do this anymore? 
So as I said earlier, I'm all or nothing. I texted her and I was just like, like the stuff that she was saying too was just so like, so like she texted me, I never graduated college and I don't think I ever would have, like it just never felt like something for me that was a good fit. And she would like, if she was like, if that girl really loves you, like she would make sure you finish school and like putting all of these crazy things on Sarah that like was so unfair. Um, and I just like was reading it one after the other. And I was like, you don't know her. You don't get to talk about her. You don't get to blame things on her. Um, and I was just like, you know what? You don't have anything good to say. This is not a discussion. It's now an argument. And I don't like arguing with people. Like I prefer always to be like talked about. Um, and so I was like, this is now getting to a point where like, it's not healthy. Like we're not going to get anywhere. And I was like, if you are ever ready to talk to me in a way that you want to meet me halfway or or you want to accept us for who we are and like what we have, that's fine. But until then don't. Um, and I, she like texted me back something and I just stopped responding and then she stopped texting me and I was on her phone plan. So I would pay her monthly for my phone and I, turned it off and I went and got a new phone like a month later after she like never tried to reach out again and I was just like this is now a way for me to start over and a way for me to draw a boundary that feels healthy to me um and I usually only go go home like once or twice a year like normally I always go for Christmas and I sometimes go home in August for my nephew's birthday um but it was too soon and I it, it felt too uncomfortable um to go home that like August being that it was just like within the few months that you know whatever happened so um, I didn't go home and I, it was like my first Christmas. So this happened last April. Um, and it was my first Christmas with Sarah's family. And like, I had moments where I was sad, but for the most part, like I was so happy and like, I got to be surrounded. Sarah's dad, like gave me gifts and it said dad on all of them. Like it was like the cutest. I was like yeah. undone. Yeah. He's like the sweetest. I'm gonna um, cry. <laughs> yeah. They're honestly. And like, it was also like around that time was when I was about to propose to Sarah and like being able to like go to parents who are so excited and like I showed them Sarah I like asked them for both for their blessings separately and they were just like so ecstatic and like the way that they were reacting like it was it's just so nice to have that and to be able to have a safe space where I can go to them like Sarah and I both with any issues that we have or any like parental needs that we have like they're just so phenomenal with us and they really do like love us both like so unconditionally it it really has shown me and made me feel even more validated validated in the choice that I made absolutely yeah do you still have a relationship with your siblings yeah so all my brothers are great um they're all super like they're they'll all be in the wedding like they're phenomenal um and a lot of people always ask me they're like how do you like deal with your siblings have a relationship with your parents and for me it's like I don't get to have that say like it's not my I never want to look back and be the reason that my brothers have a strained or or have a strained relationship with my mom and my dad. Like I never want my mom to be able to put a blame on me and be like, you separated this whole family. Like even though it would be her fault, like I never want that to be put on me in any way. Um, And I know they stick up for me like whenever it happens. So I want them to go and enjoy the time that they can. Like my brothers have kids now. Like I want them to be able to enjoy time with their grandma and grandpa. And I never want to be the reason. And Sarah's always said that too. She's like, I never want to be the reason my brothers one year were like, for New Year's Eve, they were like, we're not hanging out with mom and dad if Sarah can't be there. And Sarah's like, that makes me look bad. Like that makes me, like I get it and I love that you guys want to do that. But she, was, she came to me and she was like, I don't want your mom because at the end of the day on New Year's Eve, it's going to come down on me mm-hmm. that that's why your brothers aren't there and my name looks bad. And I want them to, I want your mom to have those memories with your family and I want your mom to have those memories with whatever. So we always just wanted to be like, you guys go do that and like come see us a week later. Like we don't yeah. need to be the reason the family is separated for whatever reason. Yeah. So. All of the kids in the scenario are being very level-headed. Exactly. And, <laughs> and great. Yes. Parents, not so much. Exactly. But good. I'm glad that you get to still have that with your siblings. And I know that that must be so hard. I know you made a post the other day about seeing your whole family on vacation together and yeah. all your siblings. And that's just so painful to see them all enjoying that when you didn't do anything wrong. You did nothing wrong yeah. and you think so hard to have this relationship still. I think it's weird. Like, and I, and my brother is obviously like text me later that night and I have a way of like typing up captions and like, cause that's what I'm feeling in the moment and like putting them out there. And I like, I'm so bad about texting them first because I never want them to feel bad because it's not their fault. They should mm-hmm. be enjoying their time. Like they have good relationships with my parents. I want, I don't want them to be on vacation sitting in a circle, like not having a good time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's shitty to see, like, I, we all have jealousy built into us and we all like want 
like it's so embedded in American culture for some reason that we like need our parents approval and want them so badly to be proud of us. Mm. Um, and like seeing the fact that like they all can do that and knowing the mistakes that they've made and the things they've done and it's overlooked, but like, not that what I've done is a mistake at all, but like in your parents' eyes. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it was really, really tough. And I'm like so bad about like letting myself feel certain things. Like it's so funny because I'm like so open and honest in my captions, but I'm also just like, Sarah's so was like, you have to let yourself cry if you want to cry, like get it out. And I'm like, I'll cry at a movie, but like for some reason when it comes to that, I like whatever. So I like cried all weekend. I was like, all right, you asked for it. Let's do this. Here it is. <laughs> let the <waterworks> Let's go. <laughs> you do have to let yourself. I, th- I think a lot of people who have to be strong in their life are that way where you, yeah. you can talk about it, you're open, but you don't want to let yourself get to that point and feel it. It's so right. much easier not healthier, but easier sometimes to suppress and not face it and to write a right. caption and know that you're going to get responsive people being like, yes, me too. Thank you so much for sharing it. And it calms you down and makes yeah. you feel like it's all worth it. But you need to deal with your own emotions on it too. Totally. And it is, it's hard. It's like, you know, you, you don't want to give people who don't deserve that like emotional energy, but at the same time, like it's your own emotional energy that you need to lose and like get rid of and like let off your chest because it does feel, it feels so heavy after a certain amount of time. Um, but yeah, it's odd. All right. We are going to get into some, um, audience questions because like I said, everything related to you and this entire episode are the top questions I get. (laughs) So there were many, 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 I'm going to try to just pull a few, um, But thank you for being so vulnerable and open. I really appreciate it. I know that it helps so many people every single day. So to just be able to hopefully help my audience as well with the answers that I definitely don't have. And hopefully now I can give better advice or just be like, here's a quote from Kate. Send them this podcast (laughs) episode. Anyone who asks for advice now. That's what I do now. I'm like, I have like a YouTube video that's like how to deal with unaccepting parents. I'm like, I don't have the energy. Here's this video. Well, there it must you be go. hard sometimes to dig it up when you're trying to help other people. Like that's still I I can't in, on yourself. Yeah, and I think to like like I used to be so like into Tumblr, right? Like that's how we all started. Like oh, I yes. was such a Tumblr <laughs> lesbo, um, and that's like how my platform started. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I like the cringiest ever, <laughs> and I like. I used to be able to, I think I almost like did myself dirty in a way because I used to answer so many questions on there and like anons and like constantly. And I was able to give so much of myself because it was like, it felt like its own private little space. Like not Mm -hmm. a lot of people knew about Tumblr and it, and it was genuinely only people that like were gay and like going through what we were going through. And now it's so much bigger. And, you know, I, I, I have to like, and luckily I've learned this this last year is like, I have to be able to like, just not read certain messages or not respond. And I hope that my, like, you know, I'm sure you know this too. Like, I hope followers understand that like, it's, I'm going through it and I don't feel comfortable giving you advice when like, I don't even feel a hundred percent whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. And sometimes I'm just like, here's this link. I don't have it today. I'm sorry. I think that's perfectly okay. I think a lot of times the most therapeutic thing for people is just sending the message and asking for the advice or sharing the story, even if they don't get a response back. I think people know we can't respond to everyone. And sometimes the really big, intense messages I feel uneasy responding to because I I need to sit down and like spend eight hours unpacking it and talking to someone. I don't want to give people half-ass answers. So And also the wrong advice. Like that's so heavy. responsible because every relationship with a parent is different. Every relationship with a person is different. Like I don't feel, I'm not like, yeah, I put my like emotions out there, but I'm not a qualified therapist. Like I don't feel, I don't want to be responsible for giving you the wrong piece of advice. Exactly. It's just share the story, relate to it and use that as you will. Okay. Our first question, this is such an important question and also another one I struggle giving advice on. How do you find a community after your parents reject you? I always tell people like, you can have your chosen family, but then it's like, how, how How do I have this chosen family? So my biggest thing that I say is like, we are the luckiest people in the world, right? Like we have millions and billions of people at our fingertips all the time. Um, so I always tell people, I'm like, go through my comments. You're all commenting that you're going through the same thing. Like you all want more gay friends. You all want more queer friends. Like you, you want someone to relate to, like I have 400 comments right here. If you all saying that you understand how it feels and you understand like where I'm coming from, like, don't be afraid to like 
reach out to each other or like start a conversation. And I love when like I go on my comments and there's like threads of people talking because I'm like, this is how you find community. And like, I found a community on Tumblr randomly, right? Like we all, we all found each other. It doesn't make any sense, but there are communities all over the internet, like that you can go, like, don't be afraid to reach out. That's always what I say. I'm like, worst comes worst. They don't respond. You go find another friend that like needs you too. And like, you'll find each other and it'll be phenomenal. Um, but like most of my friends are from the internet. Like I don't, I randomly, Same. like it's very few that you meet somebody in person <laughs> that you're like, oh, this is cool. Like Rala's probably my only friend in years that I've met in person that like was random. <laughs> and it's funny because I know her through you who I met through the internet. Like even exactly. my, even my friends who I met through a friend, the internet at the core is the one to thank for it. So yeah, exactly. the internet all the way. Like do it all safe, the way. be smart. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm also I'm afraid. always afraid to even say that I'm like I don't know. go meeting strangers be I mean look at their tagged them. photos make yeah, sure they're yeah. real life go to their Facebooks like you know how to stalk people come on <laughs> we all know how to now <laughs> we all know okay this is a heavy question so we don't have to like dive too deep I feel like this could be a whole another podcast episode but how do you deal with internalized homophobia so yeah that's I think that there's a million different ways and like there are still times when I can feel it and I like have to recognize those feelings right I think that's the most important thing is recognizing internalized homophobia when you feel it um and like why it's there also like why do you feel this way right like we grew up in a time where being a queer person was not as accepted as it is now and I have to recognize like the reason I feel it I never saw myself represented I heard so many homophobic slurs growing up because people thought it was cool and people thought it was appropriate and like you have to recognize like why things why you feel the way you feel and where things come from and stem from and understand and unpack that um anytime that I feel a certain way like I try and like read inspirational quotes or like find somebody who I know is an empowering queer person online and like find myself in those in those captions or blog posts or youtube videos and understand that like it's not your fault and like you also have to teach yourself not to believe every word that's in your head, right? Like we, we do this with ourselves in a million different ways every single day and internalized homophobia is unfortunately such an intense part of one of those things. But knowing that it's society that's putting these things in your brain and that they're not true um, definitely has helped for me and kind of like recognizing it when I'm hearing it and like giving myself some words of affirmation instead of that, or like looking around and like thinking about how I love Sarah and how I feel and knowing that can't be wrong. Like, right. Like I've, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Like there cannot, there's no way that the words in my head are like counteracting the way I feel in my heart. So. Yeah. I think that's such great advice to recognize it. I feel like when we feel these thoughts, we just want to throw them away and be like, Oh, whoa, whoa, that's, that's not right. Just throw it away. But I think there's so much more power in letting yourself have the thought And then asking yourself, where is this thought coming from? And why am I having this thought? And then you can probably trace it back to something that you don't actually believe in, but it's just been rooted in you and you have to unlearn. And once you allow yourself to get there, it's easier to get it out of your head and change that thought. Okay. Um, There are so many questions. I'm just going to pick one. Oh, I can't pick one. (laughs) I just can't pick one. Um, Okay. I'm actually going to do two. Is there anything you would change about your coming out process now in hindsight, knowing how it went? It's like, I I would love to say yes. And I would love to say that I would do it earlier when I like felt it in high school and middle school, because like I got called out in, in high school, like pretty badly twice for being gay. And part of me wishes that I would have just been like, yep. And what? Like, so what? So that I could have experienced things younger, but I know that if I changed my story at all, I wouldn't be where I am. Like Sarah and I would have never met had I could not come out at the time I came out. Um, And I think that if I were to do it again, maybe I would just do it more proudly and not try to get in my own way. Um, But it's like, also like I preach at the same time, like all things in time, like if it doesn't feel right at the time, you have to give yourself the space and time to do it. And like the only reason I came out when I did is because somebody outed me to my parents. Um, So I don't know. It's so hard, right? Like I want to yeah. be like, yeah, totally. And then also I want to be like, no, not at all because that's why I have what I have and the experiences that I have and the knowledge that I have. And I think I feel so proud now because I have to. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, everyone has to do the process on their own terms. I always say the same thing. Like I wish I would have done it earlier, but I know I did it 
in the time I needed. Yeah. I just wish I didn't need that much time, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, I think if I would have done it sooner, I would have had a million and one other issues. But for me not coming out sooner, it made me miss out on a lot of my earlier life because I was so scared and not accepting myself. And it caused me so many issues. But who knows? If I came out before I was ready, there's all kinds of other issues we could have had in that. So seriously, just got to let the journey happen. Yeah, it is what it is. Nothing I can do now. My gay friend's mom is having a hard time accepting her and it breaks my heart. Any advice? I think this is so sweet that someone's friend Friend reached out and was like, their family's not being supportive. And I think that's so important to know how do we support people? I don't even know. Like, how can I better support you as my friend? How do we, how do you support somebody as the friend, as the chosen family whose family isn't supportive? Yeah. Um, I like have the best chosen family. Like my friends are like the greatest humans in the world. And I, I, they know like when I'm like trying to be strong or like when I'm not being honest exactly about how I'm feeling. Um, and I think allowing and giving them the safe space to kind of be messy with their emotions and like feel the ugly feelings with no judgment um, because it, it's so hard. Like it really, and it hits in a ton of waves and like you feel all these crazy things about yourself that like nobody deserves to feel. Um, so I think being able to be like, because like you said earlier too, like, you want to be able to give somebody time, right? I needed 20 years to come out. Like, how can I expect my parents to accept me in the same second I come out? Which they should ultimately. <laughs> like, I mean, there there is a double-edged sword there. But I think mm-hmm. with our parents' generation specifically, like, we not everybody's going to have that. Maybe when we're all parents, I think it'll be a little, a little different. But um, I do think it's fair to be like, hey, I know it's hard now. Let's give it some time. Like, let's let your mom have her time. But for right now, like, let's focus on you. Like, what can we do for you? And like, what can we do to get your mind off of it? Or do you not want to get your mind off of it? And you want to talk about it, then let's talk about it. Like whatever you just be, I, I, I think just being honest and asking them what they need. And if they say they don't know, then take them for ice cream, like take them and do something with them because they just want to be around people who truly love and support them because that's what they're missing the most. Um, so just like being as supportive as possible. And even if you don't know how to be supportive, like you're their best friend, like just you loving and accepting them will help them so much. Yeah. Showing people who aren't getting that unconditional love that you love them unconditionally. Is right. Like, exactly. You're proving that people will love and accept them. And that's the most yes. powerful thing for sure. My like, my friends like always, like if I'm having, they'll always play like born this way. And like, this is me from the greatest show. Like they're so cute. And they'll like always just be like, you're perfect. You're great. And I'm like, <laughs> Or like, they're like, you're not perfect, but we love you for who you are. Like, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, they're, they're great. And like, just like figuring out ways. And like, if she just came out or he just came out or they just came out, like you'll have time to be able to figure out like how to better handle those situations if this unfortunately continues. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're so great. And to add how you're so great, every episode, I always ask the guests if they have anything going on that they want to promote any projects, anything. And of course, in true chaos and fashion, when I asked her what she wanted to promote, it was not herself. It was other people, specifically Black and Indigenous people of color creators. Would you have been so great at sharing your platform and opening up your privilege to other people? I know you've posted endless couples and individuals who are creators and doing incredible stuff that everyone should be following. And for many systemic reasons or not. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any specific people you want to shout out or we can just make everyone go look at all of the incredible (laughs) people that you've posted, but I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. I mean, last, um, so like every pride month I always feature people, but this year specifically, obviously it was so important to give up the platform to all black queer creators. Um, because unfortunately on Instagram, you can tell like they don't have the same chances to grow the same way that white creators or white queer creators do. Um, so I mean, I always list the same people in my stories because I love them. Like Jess Slayaka, she was on Queer Eye. She's phenomenal. Um, Christian Gabriel is like, um, a black mother and she's like so great about tying in her being gay and being, um, a black queer mom in a biracial relationship, um, which is really, really cool. And, um, Taylor X Patrick. I know you had her on the podcast. She's like one of my favorite people. Um, and she's just so vocal and knows how to speak about her experiences so well. Um, and I think that that is so amazing because it's not black queer people's job to tell us 
how to be to better support them but she does it in a way that makes you feel empowered to do so um and doesn't make you feel ashamed for it which is awesome um and there's so many if you just go scroll through my page it just happened in june there's so so many they're all amazing people yeah go check out all of those incredible individuals and kate as well um your Instagram is Kate Austin with two N's. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm um, trying to get that one end, but they won't give it up. I kept linking your channel on my show notes and it just kept going to that other one, which I don't I think know. they even use. Can the at Kate Austin with one end yeah, please stand up. up and give it up? <laughs> Come on. I'll pay you. Like, please. <laughs> Name your price, honey. Let's yeah. go. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you for being such a great influencer. Let's take that word back and make it <laughs> yeah, positive. Let's take it back. <laughs> You're so great. Thank you for sharing your story. I know you've helped me understand it more to hopefully give better advice to people. And I'm just going to link this podcast and link your account and be like, go listen to this incredible human. You're so great. Congrats on the engagement. I can't Thank wait. Thank you. To hear more about the wedding? Are you guys planning? What, We're COVID? done. I'm a psychopath. I'm done. Yeah, I finished <laughs> All it or nothing, baby. All <laughs> yeah, or nothing. Exactly. <laughs> well, good. We will all be staying tuned for that adorable content. I mean, I feel like I've already seen pictures of you and Sarah in wedding dresses from one photo shoot that yeah. I obsess over enough, so I cannot wait <laughs> for it to be the real thing. Same. Thank you so much. I love you. You're the best. And Thanks for having me. Of course. I hope you guys are a little less uneducated now and (laughs) I'll see you next week.